0: Hello everyone, my name is Taylor, and I'm Kelly, and we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the number one show all about the world of Joshi Pro Wrestling. Episodes drop every other Monday where
1: we discuss the biggest Joshi news, review shows, and preview the hottest upcoming Joshi action. So whether you're a new fan or an old fan, we've got something here for you at Jumping Bomb Audio.
0: Check us out on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
2: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit voicesofwrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Good, the Bad, and the Hungy here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. My name is Tyler Fornis. With me, as always, is Fred. I would also hurt myself jumping off that ramp, Moreland. Fred, I'm glad you're not in the emergency room getting your foot looked at. But how are you otherwise? Uh, I'm doing all right. Um, as a you know, unathletic uh, middle aged
0: guy, you know that probably would take me out. I don't know that it's really to Adam Cole's benefit that I'm making that comparison, but because uh, he doesn't really qualify for at least the athletic part uh, and i don't he think he plays as enough.
1: much video games to match us so that's true. that's at least the benefit
0: that is very true um <laughs> but yeah uh it's been an interesting week in the world of wrestling uh you know some sad uh news for a few wrestlers losing their jobs with WWE and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, I guess we can just go ahead and start with that because there's some wrestling business about
1: Yes, there is and we'll, we'll kind of start in because like WWE business not necessarily WWE creative or what they do for their shows. It matters when it comes to AEW because what they do for business kind of sets the tone for what AEW can or will do and it, Fox signed a new deal for SmackDown, moving SmackDown off of Fox back to USA for $1.4 billion over five years. Now, four years ago, they signed a deal with Fox for SmackDown, and they got $1 billion over five years. So they're going from network television to cable and getting a 40% raise, which will be... 280 million dollars per year for the rights. Fred, this is a very interesting one because they're moving it off of network television and still getting a significant raise, which will be hilarious when the ratings go down upwards of 30 40% on a regular basis because it's not a network television.
0: Yeah, that's uh, the the numbers are definitely going to fall, uh, once that transition happens, just because, as you said, uh, cable numbers are not on the same wavelength as uh, as network numbers. And that's just going to show up in the ratings. But, I mean, it's not a fair comparison. Like, no one should really be making straight-up uh, network to cable rating comparisons in general.
1: Um,
0: so uh, it's, you know, it's very interesting because I saw some speculation that this would put USA out of the running for when Raw and NXT come up for renewal. But at the same time, other people uh, I saw were like, they're still very much interested in it. It kind of begs the question, why didn't they just buy WWE when they could? <laughs> but, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a guy that runs a billion dollar company. And obviously they're just so much smarter than us because they have money. I think that's how that works. Uh, please don't well, investigate it, this I, statement at all.
1: So I will say, if they're you dumb. can make money they're off dumb. of them. Well, Maybe they just didn't want to run a wrestling company.
0: I mean, that's fair, but like when you're, when that's like a third of your business, I mean, I'm I'm being, you know, over the top there, but still, when it's like a
1: ridiculous part of your business, uh, maybe just just swallow the pill, buddy. I don't know. Yeah. And I I don't blame them for not wanting to get involved with Vince McMahon. I (laughs) think you could have just kicked him out, but yeah. Yeah. Well, considering where things were at with Vince and all of that, but. Sometimes just paying for it and making a little bit of money off the top just makes inherently more sense than buying it and running it yourself and you having to deal with all the overhead, you having to deal with all the back end stuff as my dogs are fighting literally right by my feet. Uh, it, I, I can I get it, but at the same time, you're 100% right where they would be able to make hand over fist where a $1.4 billion rights to you over five years and then you change it. To being free, because you don't have to pay somebody to put it on your airwaves. Yeah, that that changes everything.
0: Yeah, it's uh, very interesting. Um, you know, and they it, WWE sold for nine point three billion dollars. So you know, which was I think a stock exchange and not an outright, you know, money transfer, obviously. But uh, still, you'd think that NBC you know, would have been a little more forward thinking, but again, you know, they just, I guess looked at it differently. Um, I do have more faith in them than David Zaslov, but I can't say anything bad about David Zaslov or else AEW might go away. And then all the,
1: I don't think that'll happen either. Uh, I, I think they're at a point and especially where we're at with live sports, where they would be, they would get picked up by somebody else and, I don't think AEW would cease to exist. I don't think no, they'd they get picked it. up elsewhere. Yeah. I don't I, I think like, well, Impact, once they left Spike, they kind of went on that that weird run, pop TV, Destination America. I, I think that we're in a, a better headspace than that for yeah. AEW if if they were to leave Turner. But yeah, it's it definitely would be semi-alarming if they left Turner, considering all the corporate synergy that we've seen over the past few years. And i there's you know i don't think there's any
0: specific information linking to this but there is speculation that would, would turner be interested in raw in nxt um so i don't know it's just very much a space to watch um if turner does make that move that could actually hurt aew um you'd have to think that that might be on the mind of uh tko tko management but i guess we'll see there's just a lot of speculation there and then we had the natural part of a American corporate mar- merger in the 21st century, uh, immediate layoffs and uh, excluding all the office staff that no one knows as far as like a fan uh, for the most mm-hmm. part. Um,
1: and the have, office staff, it, it's it's basically this simple. You have company A and company B. Company A is absorbing company B. Mm-hmm. Why would they need two accounting departments, two marketing departments? You're yeah. going to keep some of those people, but you're not keeping everybody. And right. it, that that just happens. Sometimes it takes longer. Like I was a part of a corporate merger at Buffalo Wild Wings and corporate was actually in Minnesota. It was like 10 to 12 minutes away from my store. So we were well-versed with people at corporate and it took them 10 months to fully transition all the way down to Atlanta where the new corporate office was. And sometimes some people get laid off right away. Some people are kept for a long time. Most people were offered a job if they were to go down to Atlanta. Most people didn't want to do that. So they just ended up taking their severance and going. Yeah. Oh, buddy.
0: As we have dog chaos. Uh, but yeah, it's uh but the the on-screen releases, um uh, in rough order of biggest name to uh smallest, I guess, uh we had Mustafa Ali, Dolph Ziggler, Shelton Benjamin, Riddick Moss, Emma. Elias, Rick Boogs, Aliyah, Top Dala, Dana Brooke, Mace Mansoor, Ikeman Giro, Jiro, uh, Shanky Dabakado, Ulisa Leon, and Kinsey Elliott all get released. And then there are a few other NXT names that like
1: didn't really ever make TV. Wait, Jiro um, actually got cut? I didn't yeah, got, see that. Uh, announced that this morning, I do believe. Um, oh, man. But, uh, R.I.P. to the Emerald Flow show for having to watch him again. <laughs>
0: Uh, you know, I watched him, like, in three or four matches before he made the jump to WWE, and I uh, I liked him back then, so... Um,
1: yeah, but I, know, I... I'm sure I recall, he'll
0: go to, like, Kyoshu Pro or something, you know, wherever Tajiri is.
1: If I recall correctly, it wasn't so much the in-ring work, it was the shtick, it just got old.
0: Yeah, I could see that, because it does seem like he was doing the shtick for probably a decade or something, uh, just off what I've read, so... Um, But yeah, um, so of those names, Tyler, uh, who would you pick up if you were given the ability
1: to do that for WWE? I think there's two people. And uh, one, I want to congratulate Aaliyah for somehow making it through all those initial roster cuts. And it took Endeavor to finally get get rid of her from the roster. She was there forever and she never did anything. um, At least outwardly to us. So Good for her for sticking around for so long. But there are two people. Um, Mustafa Ali, everybody knows how much Brian Danielson loves him, wanted to put him over. Um, And he was supposed to get the run that Kofi Kingston got. But Kofi Mania started when Mustafa Ali was hurt and couldn't do Elimination Chamber. And they got the wonderful moment at WrestleMania. The other one is Dolph Ziggler. I don't know if he's going to necessarily ever be worth the money you'd have to pay to get him. But you could have the, the tag team with his brother, Nick. And, or sorry, Ryan. He's Nick. Um, I Um I think that Dolph would have something to offer in a limited capacity. The dude can go. And they strapped him up in WWE, but a concussion. And they just never went back to him. And they just kept beating him like a drum. And ignoring him for, like, years. I think that there's something with Dolph. I personally... Don't care either way if he comes in. I think Mustafa should have left like five years ago and one on the indies. And then he would probably already been in this company. But I think that there, you could do something with him. The tough part is with the type of wrestler he is, you already have a bunch of young guys on the roster that do, that are the high flyers. So, where would he fit in? Why wouldn't you just give that time to the young guys that are already in your promotion? Like, that's kind of the the catch 22. But, yeah, Danielson has a lot of power in that company. So, I, I think that uh, Ali's a borderline shoe in for AEW come the end of December.
0: Yeah, I'd, uh, of course, they they all have 90 day no competes. Um, and I always forget if they can uh, refuse those or not. They can. I, I thought they could. They, um, they just don't get paid yeah so it would probably be smart just to take the free money and uh take some time off, enjoy yourself a little bit, and then make that jump if they're if you're wanted. but um yeah, uh I think Ali is a possibility um he's talented. it's just a question of like where would he fit in on the roster like you said, and i I don't know man um it's very uh. You know, it's tough because, you know, is he really unique enough to deserve a push over, you know, Vikingo if they have him fully? And, you know, Vikingo may not be a good comparison because he may not really, I don't think he's even officially like under a or I'm sorry, an AEW deal. But there's other guys on the roster. Like, are you going to push him over? Um, you know, uh, Commander. He's probably better than Commander. But when you push him over Sammy Guevara, you know that's a pretty big jump in the pecking order. You know, but you know, AEW having talent is not a bad thing. So, just something to watch more than a uh, real concern. Now, you said there were two guys. Who was the other one for you?
1: Dolph. I already talked about Dolph. Dolph. Oh, okay. Sorry, I spaced out. Um, I thought it would be cool uh, to see a World's Greatest Tag Team mini run where you bring them in you build them up for a few weeks with with a few wins you give him a TV title shot and then send them on their way but apparently uh, Charlie's working yeah I, uh, I thought I, that I, he was kind of shot you know yeah ago. and that's a downer because I think the concept of world's greatest tag team versus FTR would kick ass but he can't apparently can't go anymore so that's kind of out of the question which okay it is what it is. Uh, I thought that could have been really cool, but otherwise, what are you going to bring in? Rick boogs? you going to, Oh, you should bring in top dollar and have him, uh, do a one-off promo segment with max caster and MJF and just be like, all right, you think you could talk? Go wait. Well, where's yeah. my script? No, no, just go.
0: Yeah. I, you know, I, I, uh, I've talked about, uh, you know, challenge, uh, booking before just like being like all right uh here's a chance for you let's see what you can do i'm not really sure i didn't i'd make an investment <laughs> with him but at the same time um you know uh if he really thinks he's the best promo he just needs to prove it at some point um i actually watched the charlie haas match uh late last year he had a january 2022 match with uh josh alexander in impact and uh uh, let me put it like that. I, that was under three and a half stars for me. So for a 2022 Josh Alexander match, that's not uh great. So no,
1: not at all. Uh, but yeah, that is the that is the news from WWE, and we'll con- kind of continue along those lines. Right after I recorded with John Carroll last week, news came out about Jade Cargill. At where Jade was reportedly going to WWE. It, has, it is all but confirmed that she is going. All the rumors and news are pointing that way. Her losing I have to, to Chris assume Chris it's Tatler just their- a, her. Oh, losing to Chris Statler on a rampage points as she's doing business on the way out. Yeah. Um, it's good for her. I have
0: to assume at this point it's just normal wrestling. We don't want to tell you a debut is coming so it can be a surprise kind of thing. Um, Yeah, uh, obviously, you know, it's kind of interesting because I thought that one of the big things for her with going to AEW initially was the lifestyle. Specifically, like, only having to work once or twice a week and, you know, getting to spend time with her family and her kid and everything. Um, Maybe WWE just made a the the big money contract offer that would you know overcome that concern um but you know um i think she's gonna do well there uh frankly i think she might fit better in wwe than aew uh even though aew's women's division i think suffers from some serious uh death concerns at this point in time um yeah, AW emphasized the in-ring aspect much more than WWE, and that's always been the weak part of Jade. She looks like a superstar, she carries herself like a superstar. She can do like very short promos with the mouthpiece where she comes across like a superstar. Um and um it's just a question of if they're going to treat her like Rhea Ripley. You know, if they're going to treat her like that level of star, she's going to get treated more like Raquel Gonzalez, who is pretty similar. I think she's actually better in the ring, you know, than Jade. And uh, she's just kind of there. I know there's been some injury issues with her, but still. Um, But, you know, this isn't really going to hurt AEW, I don't think. Um, I think they'll be fine without her. Um, They were fine without her for that period where she was off TV after losing the TBS belt. And uh, I don't know. Uh, not every uh, move really is going to hurt both companies. In fact, you could argue this one will help both because AW will no longer be putting in the time to uh, to build her. You know, with the constant squash matches and everything, it kind of solves the issue of what do you do with a post win streak Jade Cargill? Uh, because it feels like the squash thing and the you know the one sided match thing has kind of been played out. But now we don't even have to worry about that.
1: Yeah, I think Jade is just tailor-made for WWE. She, it, she comes across like a megastar. Mm-hmm. And that's really important in that company. What's not important in that company is being a fantastic promo or having great matches. It's just not. It's a spectacle first. She is a spectacle. Look at her. Just a phenomenal specimen. That, that matters in, in WWE, and she can go over there, have seven, eight-minute matches, and it's no problem. The fans are fine with that. In AW, she's not a great talker. She gets exposed, and you have to be able to put on good to great matches, at minimum. She can't do that. So, looking at all those little nuances, yeah, it's objectively great that she's going to WWE for both sides, and... She did say right before this news came out that uh, there was nowhere she wanted to be but AEW. And you got to wonder if there was that option because Tony Khan's coming from the sports world. And uh, Joe Lanza has confirmed it on audio that there are uh, plenty of options in AEW contracts. Like In the sports world, you have options where, oh, we'll do like a three-year deal plus a fourth-year team or player option or a mutual option where you both have to opt into it. And that works for the wrestling business too, because you may be like, well, I think this guy will be good for this money, but he could be good for this. So we'll put an option in there. So if he's still good, we'll keep him around. That's relatively normal in the sports world. You see it a lot more in baseball and basketball than you do in like football. But seeing it in wrestling, considering Tony Khan's uh, actual. Um, background in both football and soccer makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah. um, And, you know, we've known it's part of that. Like I think Cody leaving was uh, basically Tony agreeing to not pick up an option and keep him when he didn't want to be there. Um, And I wouldn't be shocked if that was a similar situation here. Um, But yeah, options are part of AW contracts. um, And it could very well have been a situation where technically – you know they could have kept jade uh, by exercising that option but they felt that
1: it would be better to let her be happy and leave so yeah and look i think aw will overall be better for not having jade under contract and that's not that's not an insult to jade it's just sometimes things just don't work out and it's good to spice up the territory and have new blood and I think i think it's a good thing yeah um you know
0: uh addition by subtraction is a total thing in the world of sports and in the world of wrestling uh they now have more real estate to push other women um we'll see what they're able to do with that um, i talked about this a little bit when i was on the mr warren hayes show on youtube um oh like oh, two weeks ago now uh but i do think that part of the problem with aw's women's division is identifying the talent to push and acquire i think they've let some slip through their fingers that they definitely should not have and uh i think that's just a continual issue with the company and something to watch going forward like just because you now have more time to devote to other acts doesn't necessarily mean that we'll get the best acts and i'll come back around to this subject later on when we're discussing the the dynamite grand slam show
1: There's a lot to talk about with that show. I am really excited to get to that. Whatchamacallit. AEW Dynamite Grand Slam, which reportedly had over 11,000 people in the building and nearly 10,000 sold. So the absolutely disastrous 6,000 number that we were seeing a couple weeks prior, they ended up fixing that pretty quickly with a massive media blitz. So good for them. But we have some other news here. Um, Oh, Let's let's just talk about the Grand Slam attendance because that's the first thing on the list. It did cross over 10K with reports of 11. This was, I thought it was interesting. The biggest day of show ticket surge in company history per Dave Meltzer. Not bad.
0: Yeah. Um, they apparently did very good local media with MJF and I think Statlander and Orange Casty doing part of it. Um, and um, I think that... Uh, it played a role in this crossing over. I do think that they finally did heat it up, but it was pretty scary last week when it was like, I forget the exact number, but it was like 6,000 or something. And you're like, ooh, that is that is a bad number.
1: Especially because they, they did over 13,000 the year prior. And mm-hmm. look, you're going to have diminishing returns a lot of times at unique venues. And doing the first show ever at Arthur Ashe had cachet to it. And then you were really going to see, okay, what is the show going to do? 13,000, then just under 10,000 paid. Yeah. Okay. That's probably the ballpark. And AEW going to have to figure out if that's worth it moving forward. But it sounds like it's going to be I, uh, reportedly from some of the people we knew that were in attendance. Tony Khan hinted in between the dynamite and rampage shapings that it was going to be a pay per view moving forward. Makes sense since I, they're definitely moving to 12 a year. So, mm-hmm. Grand Slam television ratings were. Excellent, mm-hmm. nine hundred eighty-four thousand with a 0. .36 in the eighteen to forty-nine demo. Both great numbers. I believe that demo numbers their highest of the year, and the TV or the total viewers is highest since February. Yeah, great stuff. Main event with the small over on peaked at one point oh five million viewers, saving us from watching Young Sheldon for an extra five minutes. And this, thank this God. Was, <laughs> This was excellent. This was very, very well done.
0: Yeah, um, that's community service right there. Is uh, step, you know limiting the young Sheldon in the world. Um, yeah, uh, that's a strong number and uh, definitely uh, should be taken that way by Dynamite
1: uh, by AW. Absolutely, and let's talk about injuries. Uh, we mentioned uh, Adam Cole one off the top. You can see him hurt himself when he's because they had the platform gimmick where it was like went right up to the ring and then he jumps down and you mm-hmm. could visibly see him twist his ankle and he yeah. tried to hide it but did not do a old, good job
0: <laughs> frankly yeah. i nope. mean look he was able to move around pretty well so respect to him for that but like he, it was obvious immediately that like he had hurt something um And uh, but he still was able to get through all his spots, which was pretty impressive, you know, considering he just uh, twisted his ankle or did something to his knee or who knows what exactly. It is weird. We haven't got
1: an exact uh, or any more information on it. Yeah. And I will say Paul Turner looked like he blew out his knee in that match or hurt himself. So that, that match had two injuries and none of them were from MJF or Samoa Joe, which was honestly a little bit hilarious that. The two wrestlers actually wrestling didn't get hurt, but the referee and the second did. Uh, it, but it seems that everybody's going to come out relatively okay. But John Moxley um, audibled to give Phoenix the win. Um, Moxley apparently suffered a mild concussion, per Dave Meltzer. And- yeah, it was uh,
0: to to be perfectly clear. It was very early in the match when uh, Marie Phoenix did like a uh, Topicot on Hero off the uh, the ramp onto Moxley and basically landed. Full force on his head, uh, which is not good.
1: No. And uh, Rick Knox did not count like a shoot. He did not count No, he did uh, not. three. And because they had already adjusted the finish and Mox wasn't going to kick out. Well, Phoenix is like, what the fuck? And Mox apparently screamed, fuck you. At, <laughs> yeah. Did uh, not Rick appreciate Knox. it. <laughs> so then Phoenix gives him another driver yeah. and gets the win. I'll be honest. Good on them for changing the finish. Rick Knox screwed this up. This is on Rick oh, Knox. Yeah. You have to call that like a shoot.
0: Well, it's really a question of what AEW's company policy is, if you're supposed to call it as a shoot or not, because if I put myself in Knox's shoes, I could easily envision like you knowing that the storyline is that Mox is going to have a long long title run and was supposed to go over in this match. And then all of a sudden he's getting pinned and not kicking out. And you're like, what the hell? Uh, so maybe Mox, you know, he wasn't sure if he should go with what Mox said or with what the plan was ahead of time. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, I thought I had several kind of thoughts about this match. First of all, people really freaked out over the, the Phoenix drivers, um, at the end of the match, uh, where they were like, Oh my God, this is what concussed John Moxley. Um, there was no sign of that. And Melzer said that he has heard that neither affected him. They were just normal moves that he took. All right. Um, so there's some concern trolling there, but on the other hand, like I'm kind of surprised that they didn't stop the match early before the commercial break, uh, because Moxley looked bad after that. You know, for like several minutes after that initial uh, dive onto him, he obviously was not moving like he normally did, or uh, you know, if you just watch his work, like it's it's slow mo Moxley. Um, he was really struggling to get through the match at that point in time. And I'm shocked that like Rick Knox didn't stop it and check on him or anything. And frankly, um, you know, I think in hindsight, you know, know, hindsight is twenty twenty, and everything that maybe they should have just stopped the match after, you know, like a minute after that dive, um, just to like, you know, be like, he can't continue Uh, because he was obviously dazed and dazed is kind of a nice way to say concussed uh, a lot of the times.
1: So, in 1998 NFL, he would have had a full blown concussion and been questionable to return, and, sh- and came back in anyways. Yeah,
0: um, or the Miami Dolphins last
1: year. Oh, the Dolphins, the Dolphins. Yep. Um, but thankfully, I when I heard Moxie got hurt, and then I saw it, I'm like, "Fuck, did he like break his neck?" No, yeah, that was concussion. a concern I had. Okay. Well, concussions are bad, but compared oh, yeah. to a broken neck, concussions are great.
0: Uh, not so, always, but I, you know, the, the the reporting, the fact he was able to recover enough to like work pretty much normally, uh, I took that as a good sign in terms of it not being a major concussion, um, in, in lifetime. But yeah, it's still um, not great. Should not have continued the match, in my opinion.
1: Agreed. Um. Let's continue on with some news, and then we have a lot to talk about with Dynamite here. House of Wrestling's Nick Hausman reported CM Punk is not going to sue AEW. Considering how much information that uh, Hausman has gotten from CM Punk, I would expect that to be the case. Uh, yeah, I don't really know what grounds he would have to sue AEW over anyways because they like a panel of lawyers said, no, you're going to fire him with cause and you're good. I don't, yeah. I, I don't think that that's going to be overturned. I really don't.
0: Remember that you can sue anyone for anything in uh in the United States uh doesn't mean you're going to succeed and doesn't mean it's not going to be a waste of your money and you might be found to be liable for the other party's uh, legal fees but you know you you could have made that decision um frankly it sounds like he made the correct business decision for himself um just i i don't know like like you said you know, the idea that this could be some kind of improper uh, termination of his contract uh, seems very unlikely to me as uh, both a wrestling fan and an occasional, you know, legal news reader person. Um, it just doesn't follow. It, it makes no sense to me under how he could claim that he was wronged when, you know, there's apparently footage of him starting this fight backstage from all angles, essentially, and... uh you know, he also, there's also reports that he signed paperwork upon his return that was like, hey, if I get in another fight, I can be fired. Yeah. I, you know, put two and two together. I don't know how you could say, but, but Jack Perry said a thing about me into the camera and it get, made me upset. I, and, <laughs> and so, so I should be able to keep my job. Um,
1: I, uh, I just, also, it's interesting. Jack Perry, I don't know if he's suspended. He he's hasn't suspended. shown up. To, uh, okay.
0: And, and and Tony Khan was asked about him. I, I read in the Observer. I can't recall what show uh, Tony Khan was on, but he was on there, and they asked about him. He's like, I can't answer that, or I'm not going to answer that. One or the other. So he's still off in uh, the nowhere space. You know, the uh, Tony Khan will not talk about him. Space. So uh, I, you know, I was thinking about that some, and frankly, I don't know why you would punish Jack Perry in that situation. Like, it, it, you know, wrestlers doing a little shoot comments as a sides as a normal part of the business. And even if you're like, well, that upset CM Punk, he's one of our top guys, and that's bad. Like, I think, you know, there's much more of an onus on CM Punk to not fight everyone all the time than there is on Jack Perry to not make a side jab at, at a guy. You know, I'm not saying that what Jack Perry was productive or good but I certainly wouldn't fire him over that instant. Um, and I wouldn't like de-push him or anything. Uh, so I don't know. You know, just it, it's just very odd. It's, I, I suppose it's possible that they had planned on him being out after that match with Hook anyway. And so they just kind of put him on ice all the same. But yeah, you know, it's I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I just I thought that was interesting. That I'd mention it. Let's yeah. continue with the news. Uh, QT Marshall has signed a new deal through the end of the year. They're working on a new longer term deal. Look, at the end of the day, if you don't like QT on TV, that's fine. But he does a lot of stuff with talent development. That and the Nightmare Factory, and I believe the Nightmare Factory is still um, is still hooked up with AEW as far as like a developmental center and that kind of thing. So, and QT is obviously the head trainer there. Look, I, I'm i not the biggest fan of him on TV, but he, he helps out a lot backstage. So this was inevitable.
0: Yeah, he uh, – yeah, <laughs> you know, it's not a surprise he was renewed. I think he does a lot of stuff backstage. I hope I never see QTV ever again. Uh, <laughs> if that gimmick just fell into the ocean, I wouldn't mind. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you see, he's not a bad worker. That's the thing with QT is he's not a bad worker. You he can cut fine. a decent promo. Um, You know, it's just that this is this is not a good
1: uh, gimmick, in my opinion. Yeah. That when he does the dadcore Will Osprey spots is just what gets me. <laughs> I actually like those. Like, we,
0: do, we, we get kind of chunky QT Marshall doing 450s. Like, as a fat <laughs> athlete enthusiast, like, that's good. I, I People are like, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, no, you should be doing it more.
1: Yes, he should absolutely be doing it more. Give because... me more of that
0: Khalid Alamin, you know, bullshit.
1: Oh hey, Minnesota legend Khalid Alamin. That's right. Yep, Minneapolis North High School, baby. Uh <laughs> all right. Um Jake Hager officially retires from MMA. I think he has an undefeated record. What is he, like three or four and oh? Uh it
0: might be a couple more than that. I can double check, but he is undefeated. And uh You know, I don't, I'm not an MMA guy. I, you know, I flirted with it for a little bit and then it was, uh, you know, kind of dumb and I got tired of it. He is officially three wins, zero losses, one no contest because he kept accidentally hitting Anthony Garrett in the groin. (laughs) Also notable is that he fought four guys on Bellator shows and none of them have Wikipedia pages. (laughs) <laughs> so I, I just think he kind of had himself a uh, steady diet of cans and, uh, well, it also I, doesn't
1: help that Bellator is going out of business. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't help either. No.
0: So, yeah.
1: So good for Jake Hager having an undefeated MMA record Wheeler, you pulled from an indie show last Saturday due to an injury. Um, he seemed okay. When, um, we, uh, When we saw him on TV, he took he took a knee from Claudio Castagnoli in the lead up to that match, which I thought was a really cool like way to begin Dynamite, where they had like Claudio in his locker room, they brought him out, and then they had Eddie in the back, and then going up through Gorilla. I thought those were real. uh, It was just yeah, those were cool shots.
0: Yeah, I. um, I uh, I saw, I think maybe it's Garrett Kendi make a comment recently that was like, hey, uh, when uh, one of the best things early TNA did was in the tunnels, they'd shoot people from behind. So they look bigger than life. Oh, that, I, that was a cool shot. And yeah. I, I, I recently saw the little video that TNA or Impact did for their thousandth episode <laughs> of Impact. And uh, it featured a shot of Jeff Jarrett uh, walking in the ring from behind. And I'm like, yeah, they they need, they need to do this. It's awesome.
1: Speaking of, um, impact 1000 last night, they had the Fox box back for a match.
0: Yeah, they did. I saw that.
1: I loved it. I, um, my, some of my favorite days as a wrestling fan were watching TNA back, uh, in the the peak days of Fox sports Net, and, oh, it was dope. Um, but anyways, let's, uh, continue on we have one, um I've actually
0: I'm going to I'm going to toss something in here real quick just because okay. I I have binged I'm trying to keep up on Impact this year along with like a bunch of other promotions but uh I got to say Chris Sabin and Alex Shelley are having really nice years and Mike Bailey is if he's not on people's lists for like best in ring, you know, most outstanding in observer parlance. Um you should probably double check that cuz between the best of the Super Junior and what he's doing regularly mm-hmm. On impact and on these indie shows, uh, which I've only seen a couple of, but still, like he doesn't take nights off. Um, I, you know, if you were to tell me you put him third or fifth or whatever on your most standing list, like I think yeah, that'd be well observed.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's hard for me to disagree with you, there, Fred. That's just getting my shit in. Really? Hey, do not blame.
0: Call me Brian Cage. Me?
1: All right, Brian Cage, let's talk about how you were not on this show, but you were on. You yeah, were you know. Cage tonight. Um, let, let's start off with it because the first match, Eddie Kingston versus Claudio Castagnoli, title for title. Uh, the NJPW strong openweight title and the Ring of Honor World Championship on the line. And Claudio comes out dressed like Misawa. And yep. Eddie is obviously always rocking the Toshiaki Kawada colors. This was awesome. And they really built up Eddie's win where he he won with the Northern Lights bomb. No, he won with the nope. power bomb, didn't he?
0: The Kawada power bomb, yes.
1: Yeah, which I thought was dope as hell because he had mentioned to Kawada that he would do the power bomb for him, even though his power bomb form sucks and he got the win <laughs> with a, it. That it uh, says he hates doing it, but still a, I, I didn't think it looked bad. It was fine. Uh, he didn't get them up high enough, but it looked powerful. It looked, it looked really good. So it's hard to. And my dogs all of a sudden are quiet, and I'm really worried. That's scary. Yeah, it's concerning that That's you've had scary. for the for the 38
0: minutes we've been recording plus the pre show, uh, just the tap dancing of dog toenails everywhere, and now it's just deadly quiet in your house. Apparently.
1: Yeah, uh, and I can't see them either, but. You know, it's spooky season. They might both be laying down because they're both tired. But usually they come do it by me. So I'm very, very concerned. But it it was a check on him. No, I'll check on him in a minute. But this match was excellent. Oh, yeah, this Uh, ruled. Yeah, I gave it four and a quarter plus. I thought this was great. Um, Kingston getting uppercutted and stuff. And then like almost like no selling it like Hogan. And then getting the chance from the crowd. And he kept doing the spinning backfist. And these guys just went to war, and I thought it was perfect. Claudio w- looks at Wheeler's like that was two, and, and Wheeler's like nope. He picks up the belt, shakes Eddie's hand, and gives it to him. And Eddie shakes it begrudgingly, yeah, because he still hates Claudio, but he respects the wrestler. And I, I thought it was just a great way to culminate this story. Eddie gets the big win; he wins a his first true world title in front of his home crowd great, great, great stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was a really good match and, uh, great storytelling and, uh, fantastic. I I loved it. Uh, of course I'm an Eddie Mark, so I a hundred percent own up to that. Um, that he rules, he's just, uh, he's like Terry Funk in that. He just genuinely feels like it's real, you know, like it feels much more real than other guys. And, uh, it's a great promo, and I just love Eddie Kingston. And this was a great example of, like, why Eddie Kingston is good. Um, and, yeah, I you know, I went four and a half flat on this because I don't do the plus-minus thing. Um, and I just hope, uh, you know, this leads to a good Ring of Honor World Championship run. Honestly, it doesn't feel like he's the Ring of Honor champ to me. Um, he's just... Uh, it, I don't know. Like, for some reason... Uh, I was just saying, Tyler, I mentally do not identify him as the Ring of Honor world champion, Eddie Kingston, uh, for some reason. Like, Although I know that match was for it. You're muted. Um, How dare you? I know, right? But it just feels like he's still like the New Japan open openweight guy. Uh, and even though the Ring of Honor one is supposedly more important, like I don't know why my brain just rejects that. <laughs> but it, you know... It's awesome, and I'm really excited to see what they do with that. Uh, maybe they'll actually do a storyline on Honor Club or something. I can only hope.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's weird if like Eddie is kind of that um just like I don't know what the word is, like beaten-down, abused baby face, where nothing just ever goes right for him. Yeah, and now something's gone right for him. Yeah, it's good twice. And it's good, but uh, it's I don't know off. that they
0: need to give him a long uh, run with it. You know, you could you could just outright McFoley this, you know, where he had his what were they two world title wins in WWF and held him for less than a month combined. Mark Briscoe. Um, yeah. Final battle. Yeah. Um, I think that would be a, a good story right there. Um, but yeah, I loved it. Uh, next up on the show. Uh, okay, we got to talk about this and your thoughts on it, uh, because I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. We had the pre-tape of Roddy in be- in a bed at the hospital with the kingdom,
1: and <laughs> Roddy rules, man. This was overall stupid. Oh yeah, Rodrick but...
0: Strong in this bit is great. <laughs> I think Matt Taven's good in this too, and Mike Bit. I think they're all good in this very stupid storyline, uh, which. I think my biggest problem with it is it involves the world championship. Like if it was just uh, a, you know, like maybe not a mid card, but you know, away from the world title, this would be probably much more palatable to me. But the fact that we still have, um, you know, the world title embroiled and all this, it doesn't feel very AEW to me, but I I will say I was rather entertained by the segment. Uh, We had Matt Taven reading a card. Somebody wrote and sent to the hospital where Roderick Strong is, even though the hospital's in a different city than they were last week. <laughs> um, and uh, pre- uh, saying that that person hoped to be as next Strong as him one day, and then Adam Cole comes in, and Roddy just starts screaming, Adam, where are you? And Adam walks in and looks at him and says, open your eyes, I'm right here. Um, very goofy. Roddy dramatically raising up in his bed to tell him just go, and then dramatically lowering himself again. The bits are good. I, you know, if it was a little lower on the card, I would probably enjoy this a lot more. I, this is not what AEW is to me, I guess, but you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's a weird situation for me. Um, it, I, this very much depends on just how much you like to be sports entertained. I think your feelings on this whole storyline and everything, but I thought this was a well done segment.
1: I think it was a well-done segment. Um, It's stupid, but stupid doesn't mean bad. Like, they don't have to correlate. And I think everybody performed their their parts very well. And Roderick Strong with the neck brace is one of my favorite gimmicks right now in wrestling because it's so incredibly dumb. And it's it's intentionally hokey.
0: Yes, it is. It is. They're in on the joke. They're aware of what they're doing, and that's good. Uh, But last Dynamite where he has the match with Joe and he's just walking around and uh, Matt Taven offers him the neck brace back and Roddy, you know, like waves him off. And then you see Adam Cole come out and Roderick drops like he was shot by a sniper. Grabbing his neck and screaming Adam's name is just it was very good. Um, I was I was sports entertained by that.
1: Yes. um, Speaking of sports entertained. Chris Jericho versus Sammy Guevara. And this is a match where the dogs have now come inside. They went outside, apparently. And okay. they are now playing with a Benny bone. They they love their bones. And now Odie's humping. Great. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, live dog commentary. You, you're only going to get that on the, on the good, the bad. We got the Excalibur, Excalibur uh, Jones over here, but I digress. Um, yeah. Oh. Odie has no balls. He got neutered and he's still humping. It's hilarious. I I I guess it's it doesn't go away. But you have Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara. This match was good. Um I give it four stars. I think the finish to me was great. I loved it. Um Sammy Guevara hits the GTH, and he's like, no, I need to put him away. And he does – he goes to the shooting star press, and Jericho turns it into a code breaker. One, two, three. And then Sammy kicks Jericho in the balls and joins Don Callis, which we will find out more about on Friday. That was an interesting twist that I did not necessarily expect. I really like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, I
0: actually thought – you know, I wondered if uh, Guevara would just reform some version of the Jericho Appreciation Society, but it makes sense. It's with Callis. Uh But I was predicting, you know, before the match started that we would see a Guevara heel turn here. Um, and, um, yeah, I liked this match. I thought it was solid. Uh, the worst part of it was there was a pretty bad mistiming where uh, Guevara was basically supposed to super kick a springboarding Jericho, but their timing was way off and Jericho... Uh, still sold it even though it was an obvious miss, um, on TV. Uh, but I still thought this was very well worked. I went four flat on it. Um, the callback to the uh, the Shawn Michaels Chris Jericho WrestleMania match at 19, uh, with the post match was really good. Um, and was kind of obvious as soon as commentary started talking about how uh, you know Guevara was wearing gear paying tribute to that match um you know it was kind of in the back of my head the entire time and Mm -hmm. uh yeah uh, i'm looking forward to where this goes uh the daniel garcia thing that they played up later uh after an mgf and ab cole sketch uh or a segment was uh also interesting and i hope to god this is finally them pulling the trigger on daniel garcia because dude is fantastic he's you know He's been ready for a push for a while now. And I thought when they teased him leaving JAS last year that that was going to be it and he was going to get rocketed up the card. Um, then they didn't do it. So hopefully we get some good stuff from um, from Daniel out of this and maybe an elevation to an actual like high up on the card
1: guy, which he deserves. Oh, I hope this comes with a really big push for Daniel Garcia. I My favorite part about this was, Guvera is finally a full-fledged heel again. It, look, you tried making him a baby face. He's got the most punchable face in the, in the history natural of professional heel. wrestling. Natural he's a natural heel. heel. And all access was made essentially to get him over as a, as a potential baby face. Look, he's just not. And that's okay. Find out new ways to make him hateable. And it's really not that hard with Sammy Guevara. He's just naturally hateable as a character. And... Now he's with Don Callis, who's literally the most hated man in American wrestling. I think this could be really, really good. Yeah, um,
0: you know, I, I feel like Callis has lost a little little heat, heat um, unfortunately, because uh, in, instead of being like so loud you can't hear his promos from a couple <laughs> weeks before the Omega match, now we're just at normal over overheal levels. How dare he? Um as I get a look at uh I don't know which dog that is, but Tyler's got a pug with him now. It's it's Eclair. Hey, Frenchie. Sorry, Frenchie. I, I Frenchies
1: know. have ears up, pugs have ears drooping down.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So not members of the uh Bullet Club Gold. Got it. Um <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I I you know, Daniel Garcia needs a big push, uh basically. Um we did miss a segment where Christian challenged Darby to a a triangle match for the TNT championship against him and Luchasaurus. I'm wondering if this is going to have Christian's crew, Luchasaurus out the title. So he actually has it. Uh, It just kind of feels like the natural booking. Um, And then we had a short uh, segment where MJF and Cole arrive. And then Cole gets a phone call from Roderick strong, tells MJF he has to go to the hospital to see him and screams into the phone. Roddy, you're not going to die um <laughs> while mgf cuts a promo on joe um entertaining stuff ray phoenix and uh john moxley look we, we talked about the injury and the uh couple of phoenix drivers at the end and uh rick knox botching the pin i still thought this was a good match uh considering all the things going against it but once mox kind of woke up um for lack of a better term uh, once he started moving at like an almost a normal speed like i thought this was pretty well worked uh i went three and a half on it um glad that uh it is apparently just a minor concussion but yeah we have a what i have to assume is an unplanned aw uh international championship change to Ray phoenix uh and you know has, what he's long deserved I... some kind of uh gold so i hope maybe we get
1: an actual push of him rather than maybe just holding it for a couple of weeks until mox is ready but the best part is this works within the context of what the story is with Death Triangle, Best Friends, and Blackpool Combat Club. So yeah. the title changed, even though it was uh, changed in the ring and it wasn't necessarily what they wanted to happen with the match. It works, and I think that rocks because yeah. now you can go with the story and Phoenix finally gets the win. Uh, what really ended up working well is... Um, the graphic going into the show was it was uh Phoenix is that uh, trying to gain his third different AEW title, which I think now he's the second person in AEW to have hold, held three different titles. The, the mm-hmm. other one being Kenny Omega, because mm-hmm. Omega held the world, the trios and the, trios. the tag yeah. and Phoenix has held the tag, the trios and the international. I think so, that's it. Yeah. That that's a big get for him. Yeah, Is that Moxley's never held the tag or the trios, but he's held the international and in the, in the heavyweight. Um, Jericho's only ever held the heavyweight, if you can believe that. He, he hasn't held the title since he dropped the heavyweight belt to John Moxley. At Revolution uh, but I heard that he just uh, beats everyone and buries all the young talent. Yeah, Anybody who says that can be uh, told to shut the fuck up. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> um, there's a reason why Jericho's still on television. He's Chris Jericho. He's still
2: great.
1: Oh, and
0: he, he jobs constantly is the thing. Like he, he, he loses. He should lose less. Um, I don't know, man. I I think you could definitely heat him up more at points, but like, I think he's also doing really good work right now, helping elevate guys. And, uh, Guevara is just the latest
1: example of that. I think. Yeah. And I thought this was a very well done story Mm -hmm. uh, from start to finish. This was, this was great. I uh, had a
0: short little good promo from Samoa Joe, hype video for Rampage. Um, God,
1: Samoa Joe rules.
0: Joe He's rules. So great. Honestly, um,
1: they, they should have strapped
0: him up. They weren't going to, but man, Joe rules. <laughs> so I would not have complained. Um, uh, then we had ourselves a women's match between Soraya and Tony Storm for the World Women's Championship. And. Um, I got to ask you about this Tony Storm gimmick. So we had Tony Storm as like a really over babyface champion last year. Yep. And then they decide that they want to turn her heel to kind of be the workhorse of the outcasts group, right? With Ruby and Soraya, um, which I, f- I still feel was kind of poorly timed because she was still over as a face but you know they'd also had already i think moved on to a different face champion at that point in time so i got it and now we're turning her back baby face which again it feels like the right time though it feels like yeah i think the the outcast storyline has really floundered it has not done what they probably wanted it to but okay so you want to turn tony storm baby face off it that makes sense This character that she's doing, I've enjoyed the kind of aspects of it that are, uh, you know, like uh, Nesma Dorman from um, Sunset Boulevard or just the stereotypical, you know, like 50s-ish starlet actress, right? Some of the stuff in the promos have been good. And then I figured that, okay, so when she actually works the match, they'll lower that a little bit, right? They'll just kind of have her be... You know, still wrestling like Tony Storm, but that was not the case. She went full gimmick, um, you know, where she was uh, just doing all the shtick. And uh, I don't want to see that with Tony Storm. If it was, I, if Ruby Soho was doing this, it would be better, I think, because Ruby Soho is not uh, a top tier women's worker in the US. No. Tony Storm is, though. And, for her to like be doing all this shtick in her match, it's getting in the way of her having a great match. And that's what I want to see her do.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, Um, this
0: is, this is too much sports entertainment here. Um, and, uh, this kind of, you know, that, that was a bummer to me. Now I did think the match was solid. I went two and three quarters on it. Um, I still do not know what you really do with, uh, Soraya, long term because i don't feel like she's really excelling in any way in aw right now and to have her as your women's world champ uh despite that uh i think kind of hurts the division as a whole because uh, i don't think she's definitely not a great worker at this point in time uh i don't think she's cutting her pro has been decent but not great you know like they're decent and good um but not like a top of the division level worker. And uh, she just doesn't feel like a big star. Despite her previously being a master star in WWE back when before her neck imploded, she just feels like a you know, decently over worker, I guess, like a mid carder And if there's any hope for uh, hope for her to really elevate the division, I don't think it's gonna happen um she kind of flopped as a face and now she's just fine as a heel
1: um yeah i wonder if they're waiting for hater to come back and this is just something to do in the meantime yeah i you know if that but that's if
0: that's you can't just do that though for especially when hater has this uh uh, you know, has this long term injury? Like you've got to be able to adapt. You can't just let it coast. But you know, I, I do think this is a long term issue with AW's women's division is that they've kind of have been coasting for quite a while now. Maybe this entire yeah. year, and it does not feel like it's being very, um, <laughs> very creatively um, successful. Um, yeah. So that's my take.
1: Creatively successful, I think, is a really good way to phrase it out, Fred. And I'm intrigued to see kind of where this ends up going. Um, But the match itself, (coughs) excuse me, pretty shtick heavy. (coughs) I'm going to keep that in there just because I think it's funny. Um, I thought it was was pretty good for being shtick heavy. Yeah,
0: I mean, um, I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't a failure or anything. It wasn't like a great success at the same
1: time. It was all right. Yeah, it was objectively fine. Didn't really have a lot of great work in it. it had some good work. Um, Soraya had her working boots on. She, there were no botches. Yeah, but it was it was, a, it was rough. Three and a quarter. Three and a half. Like it was a solid match. I, I, I didn't, ha- I really had no complaints other than it was very stick heavy, but yeah. for what they did, it was very good. Yeah. And uh, if you can get that out of Soraya consistently, I think I still wouldn't have her as my world champion, but I, I think it's fine. It, yeah. It's fine. I'm, I'm not like
0: bothered by it, by any, you know, grand level. It's just, uh, you know, not, uh, not, not, Uh, superstar-level stuff, and I would expect more at the top of the women's division from AEW.
1: I love how you just poured that drink, Fred, and it sounded like you were taking a piss.
0: Hey, look, uh, Porcano (laughs) Lustos. And then we had the main event, um, which was, of course, MJF and Smojo. Uh, We did a little Bret Hart tribute video, which is really a reference to Mean Joe Green. Uh, His infamous Coke commercial from back in the 70s, I think it was, maybe the early yep, 80s. Um, and uh MGF tells a kid that he's adopted. Um <laughs> that got me. um it that was pretty funny. Great. It was a good bit. Uh and then they uh, I thought okay, so I thought what we basically got here was a um was a, a work rate Hulk Hogan uh defending against the monster heel title match from back in the eighties. Uh, i thought it was structured very that's similar to that that's a
1: great way to put it
0: yeah i like it, it's like it's you know except without just hogan uh you know not trying <laughs> well you know trying but not working hard i guess I, I don't know how to really properly put that not exactly mr work rate uh, hogan was um but i thought this was a really good match um you know um look the the level of sports entertainment in the MJF storylines are not for everyone, and I get that. I 100% do. I have complained about parts of it at time, at points in time, uh, especially those pre-tapes uh, leading up to the Adam Cole match. Uh, but I thought this match was worked very well. Um, it didn't go too hard into the shtick. We never got like a real "Why am I so violent?" situation. We had his, you know, his best friend Adam Cole come out try to destroy his leg. And offer support and hype him up to escape the sleeper hold. And um, I I liked this match a lot. I thought Joe looked awesome in it. This may have been Joe's best performance in AEW. Uh, and considering what he's done, that's saying something. Mm-hmm. Uh, MJF uh, did a good job. Um, and, you know, they worked in the shtick some. You know, he did some Hogan offense and he did, like, the kangaroo kick and all that stuff. But it wasn't like. It was not too much shtick, and I think that's important, and that's why it worked for me. Uh, and I went four and a quarter stars on this. I thought it was a really good match um, and a nice cap to the show. Um, and then afterwards, we of course, the finish we should go over, which is uh, MJF uh, go, kept going for a sleeper because he promised he would choke out Joe. And uh, Joe he called up his the,
1: friend Dick Togo. Yeah, Joe,
0: Joe <laughs> early <laughs> in the match kept just like easily tossing him off whenever he went for it. Um, and then at some point, uh, MGF pulls a chain out of a turnbuckle, I think it was, or it might have been ripping off a tag rope, but I thought it was a chain. Um, it looked like a groat wire. Yeah, and he does the old uh, Ring of Honor CM Punk Jimmy Ray finish, where he locks on a sleeper hold, but you know is it, uses that to disguise the fact he's actually choking out Joe with the chain. Um, the ref doesn't see it, calls for the stoppage. Uh, MGF wins, interest i I, one note i really didn't care much for was samoa joe shaking mjf's hand afterwards i figure my my thought is if you're ever a wrestler of any kind and you know you got screwed out of a match because the other guy cheated even if that guy's a face you shouldn't shake his hand i i just that's just my hang
1: up there so Um, I, i i'll counter this i think that's going somewhere maybe I think Joe is luring MJF into a false sense of security with the the handshake, and that's going somewhere. Because otherwise, I agree. And, I just know, assume that there are feuds over. Um, one of the reasons why I think that is it's Samoa Joe. Why the hell would he as the heel do that? Because everything you're saying makes complete sense. I yeah. think there's something more to it, and we're going to get it down the line. I That's Maybe. the only thing I can think of, because otherwise, Samoa Joe doing that knowing he got screwed and shaking his hand unless it's he expected that from MJF and knew that MJF Yeah, did, if MJF it's like a do it.
0: if it's like a cheater recognizing cheater kind of thing then you know I if, if he sp- tells that story in a promo I'm okay with it. Um it's not like you know the, the the biggest example of this I will always point to until I die or just completely lose my mind and get like super dementia um is the sting triple h wrestlemania match where sting gets screwed out of the match and then he shakes hunter's hand and it's just like you know why are we why are we doing any of this but especially the handshake um it didn't feel like that at all to me but it's just a minor point with me is like if you get screwed out of a match you shouldn't turn around and handshake with the guy that screwed you out of the match but
1: yeah um we all know what the sting handshake was. We, we all know mm. it was oh, yeah. WWE over WCW. For yes, the because we can't let time.
0: that go 15 nope. years later, or however long it was. Um, not yeah. at
1: all. Um, let's, uh, that's, that's grand slam. Great yeah, show. Great show. Uh,
0: yeah, it was, um, I liked it overall. Thought it was like a eight out of 10 show. Um, some really good matches, nothing that was a real like match of the year contender, but you know, I would recommend practically everything except for the women's match off of this.
1: Um and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I would tell you to everybody to watch the whole show. Watch it all. Yeah.
0: I, I you know, there's far worse things you can do with your time than watch uh Soraya and uh Tony Storm. It's you know, it was not that bad. It was it wasn't
1: bad at all. It was pretty decent, so yeah, exactly. Um Fred, there's something that we've been meaning to talk about on this show for a while since it came out. We haven't had an opportunity, but we've only been recording for an hour and 5 minutes. I think today's the day. Oh, yes, finally. I get it again, Brian Cage, baby. Um Yeah, let's talk about it. Uh, set it up, buddy. So, the VOW 30 under 30. Uh we were two of I believe 23 participants among Voice of Wrestling contributors, and the goal is who are your 30 best wrestlers under 30 and there were no guardrails other than they had to be under the age of 30 and they had to be a, uh, an active professional wrestler. That was it. You could frame it as who has the most potential, who's the best right now, a combination of both. There were no guidelines other than that. And I think that's the best way to create those lists because you just want genuine re- uh, reactions and opinions of people in the wrestling space. And this came from, ESPN doing their 30 under 30 list, which was an absolute abomination of professional wrestling. Uh, having like Liv Morgan in the top 10. Come on. You're not fooling anybody. No, absolutely not. And we mm-hmm. decided that we wanted to do a comprehensive, honest look at all the young people in professional wrestling and see who we believe is at the top. And I think overall we did a, we did a very good job of it um there were some that were like okay is this um is this right is this wrong you know you can have debates about some of these guys and girls but at the end of the day i I thought the list was very good
0: yeah uh, of course i have the correct list on my computer because it's my ballot i sent in but um shit but yeah, no. Honestly, I, I love the idea of it. Uh, Griffin Peltier put it together really, and he did a fantastic job with it. And um, yeah, I uh, I had a ton of fun voting in this. And um, you want to go through our lists, our individual ballots? And uh... oh shoot, do I
1: have my ballot still? Oh, I, I I put it in the Discord. I can go find it. Okay, sure. Um, uh, you go, um, go ahead. I I'll, I'll just go over it the top
0: ten. The top 10 on the final list um, was number 10, Shota Umino, uh, number 9, Shun Skywalker, uh, number 8, Rhea Ripley, number 7, uh, Jamie Hayter, number 6, Hiho number 5, Julia, number 4, Kaito Kiyomiya, number 3, Yoda Suji, number 2, Konosuke Takeshita, and of course, number 1, MJF. And I have to think MJF will be on the top of the list every year until he's no longer under 30.
1: I had all of those in my top 15. So I am the most right. <laughs> um, I, I think a shoe Skywalker was my 15. Um, so I'll go through my top 10. Um, first, okay. I have, to, I have to figure out where, where 10 is so I can start there. Um, okay. Sorry, counting is hard. It is hard. Two, four, five, six, one, seven, two, nine. okay, three. all right, my number ten, Rhea Ripley, nine, okay. Tony Storm, eight, Dragon Lee, which yes, he's under thirty, S- um, seven, Kaito Kimia. yeah, six, Daniel Garcia, five, Shota Imino, four, Julia, three, Kenosuke Takahashi, two, El Hio del Vicino and number one. MJF. And uh, this this was a tough one for me because I had me High cheetah at eleven and I, I really wanted to put her over Ripley because I just wonder what actual ceiling Rhea has in WWE versus yeah. what she could have elsewhere. And I don't think she's leaving. Like that's that was my big trepidation with her. And yeah. Like I had Tyler Bate at twelve. If Bate... He was in any other company. He's a top three, easy. But he's retired at, like, 26 years old.
0: Yeah, I, I did a vote for Tyler Bate just because he's not doing anything and hasn't done anything for a long time. If he was fully active, like, you know, like, really working regularly and getting a push, that would be a different situation. But he's just uh, off in nowhere land with, you know, NXT right now. Uh, my top ten... um, uh, and this was tough because I had, like, Yoda Suji at 12 and Madoka Kakuti at 13 and Kyle Fletcher at 11. I love all these guys, but I couldn't get them in the top 10. Uh, I have uh, the new Mascara Dorada at 10. Um, at that point, it was kind of a reputation vote, but it's held up after all the matches I've watched of his as either Panterita Del Ring or uh, Mascara Dorada. Uh, I've been watching a lot of CML recently, and he's fantastic. Uh, number nine is Shun Skywalker. Uh, He's the best guy in Dragon Gate today and uh, easily the most complete worker there. Um, Number eight, Daniel Garcia. Uh, Again, I think he's a fantastic worker, very charismatic, and uh, just needs a proper push. Number seven, I was surprised that this person did not make the official top 30, but Starlight Kid. Uh, I think she's just fantastic. Uh, Probably the second most impressive worker in Stardom from what I've seen. Uh, Just a lot of charisma, and she's doing really well as a heel now. Least, I think that's
1: least. that's just a lack of exposure to Joshi. I I'll guess be honest, I I I haven't really watched much of her at all. She didn't make my list.
0: Yeah, I mean she's great. I love her. Um, number six, uh, Rhea Ripley. Number five, Tony Storm. Number four, He uh, Del Vikingo, Number three, Takeshita. Number two, Julia. Number one, MJF. Um, I had Jamie Hader down in 19th. I actually prefer Tony Storm to Jamie Hayter, personally. I just think Storm's a more complete worker. Um, I especially felt that way before we went full uh, gimmick in this past match, but, you know, that's one match. Um, Yeah, um, I thought it was just a lot of fun to do this. Um, Very tough to figure out who I was and wasn't voting for. Like, Tyler Bate was my first cut. Um, I left out, like, Funky Jackie Kamei, Hook, Nick Wayne, Barbaro Cabanario, who, yes, is still under 30. Um, Benny, uh, I just don't see enough of her stuff, sadly. Riho, Dante Martin, uh, Suzu Suzuki. Uh, there's, there's a lot of talent under 30 right now. And um, I, I couldn't find a spot for Ilya Dragunov. Um, I just think that he's, you know, he's a great worker, but I feel like that's not... You know, the, this this list to me really should have focused on like charisma and star power. Um, and I think he's kind of short in both of those. Uh I think he'll really flounder in WWE once he stops getting the super NXT worker push. Um, because if Vince if he go, goes into Vince's hands, it's not gonna go well for him, I'm pretty sure. Um I had yeah.
1: Ilya at eighteenth just because his work rate is so tremendous no he does have great matches yeah i i i don't know i I think there's a ceiling but it would be like a tomohiro ishii level ceiling where he's gonna go in and have great matches with literally everybody but you're never gonna want to crown him as the guy
0: and another problem i have with voting for him just personally uh is that he uh he does, at least when I voted, his pace has picked up. But at that point in time, he was not working high-level matches very often. Like, he'd have, like, three a year, it felt like. He, that pace has picked up since we voted on this a month ago, I think. Um, uh, but, you know, at that point in time, I was like, yeah, he's a great worker. But, you know, I can't say that he's going to be any different than Tyler Bate, you know. And there's a lot of great workers on this list. I mean, my bottom ten were... Uh, uh, Kaido Kiyomiya, Dragon Lee, Bandito, Tommy Haya, Shishida, uh, Wheeler Yuta, Leo Rush, uh, Dragon Dia, uh, Jack Perry, Maki Ito, and Willow Nightingale. I mean, I just didn't see an easy spot to slot either Ilya or uh, Tyler Bate in
1: there or Pete Dunne for that matter. Yeah, it, it was really hard for me at the end of this list. Like, uh, like my bottom five were at, um, Francesco Akira at 30, Logan Paul at 29. Um, Logan Paul's great and I wish he did this he whole time. I really did. That, uh, that's a mes- major reason
0: I didn't vote for him. Is like I don't know that he's actually going to be wrestling next year. So
1: yeah, I think that matters. Um, Mascara Dorada at 28, Nick Wayne at 27. and I thought about him my- I'm a big Atlantis Jr. fan, and I have him at 26.
0: Yeah, I, I had not considered him because at that point in time, I was uh, well behind on CMOL. Now I would definitely consider him. I don't know if he'd make my top 30, but that's not so much on him, just the other talent that's on this list.
1: And that's the problem. I think like s- around 60 wrestlers were um, included on ballots, something like that. I'd have to double-check the um how many but yeah there was a lot yeah this uh, was
0: really hard to do uh and if you like making you know if you like this kind of thing I, I do suggest that you sit down at home and uh just take some time to try to come up with your own list um i saw some people complain about the list because it did include like you know 15 people from their favorite promotion but if you're really doing this you should you know be looking at a, a bunch of different promotions and uh you know cast a wide net you know you should give consideration um and if you just look at the the also receiving votes and oh it was way more than 60 20 uh, on air counting is always fun um uh, more than 50 i can say that much right now there's just so much young talent out there right now and it's really awesome to uh able to watch them all. Um, there was a total of 108 people that received at least one vote on this
1: list. Yeah, that tells you how much young talent there is in the world today. Yeah,
0: yeah, well, it does. Um, and I mean, like, there uh, it just just the also receiving votes section is fantastic. Um, I mean, Azumi's on there. Ace Austin, um, uh, Carmelo Hayes. Um, Dante Martin, like all these people I'm naming, like if they made the top thirty, I wouldn't have thought twice about it. Hook. Um I'll tell you if Hook starts wrestling regularly on T V and actual matches, uh, I don't know how you could really keep him off your list next year. But, you know, it's again it's a it's a crowded field. Koto Minora, um, Lee Moriarty, Mal, uh, Chris Statlander, like all kinds, of these, you know, all kinds of great workers on these lists.
1: Oh yeah. It's truly incredible how much talent there is in the world of professional wrestling right now. Yeah. And it's,
0: it's very encouraging too. Um,
1: it's uh, it's cool. It's awesome. <laughs> Yay. Pro wrestling. Yay. Pro wrestling. Big fan. Absolute big fan. Uh, Fred, do you have anything else here today? Not really. Um, I, you know, was glad to be able to
0: make it back to the show. Uh, I wasn't able to listen to the whole episode, but I thought John Carroll did a fantastic job last week. Uh, and uh, you guys had a very interesting conversation from what I was able to hear, um, because this has been a crazy couple weeks for me. Uh, but, you know, about the status of AEW's business and everything. And I really enjoyed what I was able to listen to.
1: Yeah. John, really intelligent person. Glad he was able to fill in for you while you were, taking care of some family business but that is the show here today um you can follow us on twitter at goodbadhungie you can follow me on twitter at the real forno you can follow fred on other social media platforms that aren't nearly as popular as twitter or x
0: yes Uh, give it time Uh, once uh once the news came out that elon was like oh i'm gonna charge people to use twitter uh blue sky had
1: their biggest day ever (laughs) In terms of uh, signups, so and apparently it was misconstrued because they're just going to offer a lower tier Twitter Blue. All right, uh, we'll see about that. I don't trust this guy. <laughs> I, I don't either, but whatever. Um, Anyways, uh, if you like the show, please uh, like, comment, subscribe, give all the all the five star reviews because just like Dave Meltzer, we love five stars and. If you're listening on the Voice Wrestling Podcast feed, please consider listening and subscribing to our solo feed to help us continue to grow the channel in the country of Turkey and the rest of the Mediterranean and worldwide.
0: We hit number 40 in Malaysia a couple days ago. All right. As far as wrestling podcasts.
1: Thank you, Malaysia. We love you. Um, And with that in mind, my dogs who are now quiet say thank you for dealing with their bullshit. And we will see you next week. Take care, everyone.
2: Hey everybody, my name is Jesse Collins, and I want to tell you all about my show, the Gentlemen's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On the Gentlemen's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media. We talk a lot about fan culture. And wrestling's place within general pop culture. And we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Craich and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes.